Do you want to go down to a 40-hour week without losing revenue? If you're ready to let go of all the extra hours, the stress, the overwhelm, and the clients who hijack your time, consider my signature program, Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind. In it, we'll get your accounting practice under control. We'll fix your pricing problems. I'll show you ways to price so you stop giving away the farm so you bring in more revenue for the work you're already doing. I'll help you disengage the clients who are good people but are holding your business back and slowing you down. I'll help you package up your services and design them so they're easy for your clients to understand and choose from while helping you simplify and standardize what you sell. And we'll focus on making your messaging more interesting and compelling so you attract more of the kinds of clients you want to work with and break out of the hodgepodge of referrals trap. We get your prices up, we get your workload down. We standardize, we simplify, we streamline. And we do this at a pace that feels doable, where you feel confident in every choice you make. Prices up, workload down. Registration is open now. We start Tuesday, May 7th. Come with us. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to find out more. Welcome to the She Thinks Big podcast, where you'll hear from women entrepreneurs who are doing good in the world, from spark to screw up to success. Thinking big is in their core. It's in yours and it's in mine. I've traveled to 50 countries and seven continents, done an Ironman, and co-founded a company that has generated millions of dollars for sustainability. My name is Geraldine Carter, and I'm delighted to share with you conversations and coaching with amazing women. Time to get inspired and grow your impact. My guest today is Amanda Berlin, a former New York City corporate publicity strategist who now uses her powers for good. She helps her clients tell their story, write content, and raise visibility so the people who need them can find them. Recently, Amanda invited me on her podcast to talk about getting a handle on the financials in your business. In that interview, she happened to mention offhand that she doesn't look at her financials every month, which as a person who appreciates the power of knowing your numbers was like one of those record scratch moments, like stop the bus. And I just couldn't let that slide. So I invited her to come on my podcast to help her get the clarity she needs around her own numbers. Think of the problem like this. In your personal finances, there are financial planners who help you figure out based on how much you have now and how much you want to have when you retire, how much you need to set aside every year in your retirement plan in order to get to retirement with enough savings. But in your business, chances are good that role is vacant, unless you're big enough to have a CFO or a part-time CFO. The primary role of a bookkeeper is to make sure the money gets tracked in the right places, and the accountant's primary role is compliance for the IRS. So all that activity of your bookkeeper and your accountant is primarily for the IRS, not for you and not for your business. And unless you have an accountant who offers strategic advising, who can help you get from where you are now in your business to your income goals, chances are good that that role, the equivalent of a financial planner for your business, is vacant. And that's a role that we just scratched the surface of beginning to fill today with Amanda. Amanda, welcome to the She Thinks Big podcast. Geraldine, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So why don't you tell me a little bit about 
your like your view of your numbers, what you know, what you don't know, what you understand, what you don't, what you wish you knew, like that. Okay. So my understanding of my numbers is that I know what my gross is pretty clearly um, every month. I know- Your gross revenue for our listeners. Yes. And I know what my fixed expenses are that you know that mm-hmm. are directly associated with my business. What I am less clear about is my net as far as my accountant is concerned cuz um he writes down my income, you know, beyond a little bit, you know, and taking into account other reasonable expenses like the fact that I work for my home, the fact that I um you know, do networking and, um, you know, client meetings and things like that, that I don't necessarily track on an aggressive basis in my own accounting. Um, but then I would say on an emotional level, what I understand about, or what I I tell myself I don't understand about my business is that I'm not keeping track of anything. Like I'm just sort of winging it and, um, and I let my accountant kind of sort everything out. But even just the exercise of preparing for today's conversation actually has made me feel better about, well, getting your reflection about what I was able to provide to you (laughs) has made me Uh feel better about my uh, perceived clarity. Awesome. Okay. And for our listeners, Amanda was able to send me two spreadsheets where she's tracking her income, her revenue by month, right? So she keeps track of um, her clients who are paying her and how much they pay her and what they're paying her for. Um, And she was able to send me her monthly expenses, which were also then annualized. So (laughs) make it sound so much um, better than the um, way that it sounds in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you are tracking what's happening, but what's just missing that I see is just a gap between having the information be presented in a way that's useful to you. Okay. It's like, you know, the numbers, but like, you don't, I mean, you have the numbers, but you don't have a way to use them. That's giving you any like useful knowledge. Um, yeah, I think that's actually exactly it. And I, I don't even, I didn't even see that as a problem or as something that could help me in my business or in the work. Like, yes, I know the numbers. I have them at the ready. I can provide them to you or to my, whoever might need them. Um, and, but, but actually I think it's the, I think what you're driving at is there's a higher level of understanding of like, okay, you have the numbers, but like, what do you do with them? And how can you use them to make decisions and what might those decisions be based on where you are with, with your numbers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And actually that's even illuminating for me because I, I think I was just in the process of like keeping track as opposed to like making, um, you know, making tactical or informed decisions using that tracking. Yeah, exactly. And this is a super common challenge for people is that in general, just to paint with a broad brushstroke, the act of bookkeeping is to simply track what happened in the past, right? And put things into nice neat categories of this is where my income came from. And this is what I spent. These are the categories that I spent money in. 
And the act of accounting is to satisfy the IRS and make sure you're in compliance, right? But neither of those things helps you look forward. Those two things usually look backward. Wow. Right? And what, yes. what we want to be doing is looking forward and asking you, okay, how, if you have a certain income goal in your business, how are you going to create that? Right? And probably nobody's helping you do that, right? I mean, I do have a, I have a coach who helps me with that more on a theoretical level, I would say. Mm-hmm but less on a driving down into the tactical and like what's possible. Right. Okay. Like the actual numbers, like how do we actually, how do we make the math add up? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely done exercises where I put, you know, where I, where I have a spreadsheet and I put in, okay, if I get this many people into this program, this many people into this program, and I do this many strategy sessions over the course of the year, then I'll reach that revenue target. But it all feels hypothetical. Yes. Which to some degree it will be, right? Because, you know, it's it's hard to know who is the person that's going to fill that slot. Right you know, in November when you're planning it in January, mm-hmm. right? So to some degree it is hypothetical. And like, there's a balance between just because you make the numbers add up on a spreadsheet doesn't mean that they're magically going to happen in the real world, right? Like you've got to right. actually do the work to find those people to do the strategy sessions, to do the empowered presence and so on. Right. So what questions do you have and what would you love to get out of our time today? My big question is what could I or should I be doing differently as far as um, tracking my numbers or um, contextualizing my numbers and using them to make decisions? And I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to take what I'm already doing, which feels like almost, you know, from a capacity standpoint, like as much as I can do, that feels like that's what's possible for me. But maybe, you know, just be more intentional about it or, you know, what could I be doing differently? Um, Just in terms of like, for example, every month, just kind of going through some simple steps to check out your numbers and asking yourself some reflective questions to be like, hmm, what's interesting in these numbers without spending five hours every month on it? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, right. Like, is there a way for me to be beyond just aware of what the gross is and, you know, what I'm roughly netting? Is there anything I should be doing that's like one level deeper than that? Let's go back to what you said you wanted at the beginning, which was, um, there are three things, you know, what could I be doing differently in terms of what I'm tracking? Can we contextualize the numbers and help me make decisions? And given that I'm already pretty much at capacity, what are some simple things that I can look at on a regular basis to help me keep a better eye on things? Yeah. Let's go to what you have. Okay. I'll tell you what I see about it. And then we can go to what I've done with it. Okay. So go to your February tab. Previously, you had everybody sort of listed right. with what they, the program that they were in, mm-hmm. uh, but we, and you had it totaled up for the whole monthly total. Right. But what you didn't have was sort of subtotals. Right. Right. Totals for each individual 
revenue stream. So mm-hmm. for our listeners, why don't you tell our listeners what your four programs are? So star powered slash like my retainer clients are mostly um, people that I work with kind of outside of the three uh, offerings that I typically uh, propose to people. Um, Pitch to Prominence is a high level visibility intensive for women who know very clearly what they are doing in their business and they've gotten to the point where they know they just need more visibility in order to make it grow. So uh, they've built it, they have executed on their services for a while and now they're like, okay, I have a, a launch coming up or I need new a new sphere of clients or I need to be known more in my industry or whatever it is. That is the program for them. Um, Empowered Presence is a six-month one-on-one consulting uh, service that gives women who are a little bit more um, nascent in their business uh, some tactical support in or strategic support in creating their messaging, creating, in some cases, their offers communicating those offers and then gradually reaching out into their spheres of influence for visibility and and populating those offers through uh, tactics that get them in front of the right people that become clients. And then my strategy sessions are exactly that. They're the um, there, I was going to say they're the one-off, uh, you know, one-hour strategy session, but they're actually a little bit more involved than that. It's a one-hour strategy session with an implementation period and access to me for edit edits on materials that they might create and review. Which actually, it, that follows through all of my programs. You get me for um, reflection and and edits and um, you know all of the the templates and all of the things that I've created over time. Um, the strategy session gets you that as well as a follow-up, uh, 30-minute follow-up session. So it's an one hour and then a implementation period where you have access to me and then a 30-minute follow-up. So those are the different ways that I work with people. Okay, great. So all told, there are four primary ways that income is coming into your business. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what we could see beforehand was the list of your clients and... Um, and they're sort of monthly payments, if you will, by each category, but we didn't have subtotals per category. So what we couldn't see was um, the sort of breakout of which of your offerings, how much each offering generates, if you will. Mm-hmm. Head on over to the 2019 tab. What we have in what we have up top here is we went through and grabbed the subtotals for each month. So now you can see February star powered in, you know, in February you have star powered, how much you have pitched to prominence in February, how much you have from empowered presence in February and strategy sessions. And then same thing for March, April, and May. (laughs) Okay. Um, And what we don't have is for January because on the January tab, things were not, if I go over to the January tab, things were not yet broken out in a way that, um, I could have made some guesses, but you know, when we have a few more minutes, you could probably break this out pretty easily, figure out the subtotals, and then get them to map over to the main spreadsheet. 
if you just look at this part so far, and we're talking about just looking at the high level, um, what actually happened, which in bookkeeper speak, they call it actuals, what actually happened in February, March, April, May for your four primary income streams, what does that make you see? Um, it makes me see that the retainer clients and pitch to prominence are my most uh, lucrative, I guess. And then it also filled me with, with fear. <laughs> given that, you know, I'm sort of weaning off my retainer client category. And the fear is, oh my God, how do I replace that income? Right. Okay. Which I, on an energetic level, I know that it's, um, yeah, there's like the intellectual, like, oh crap, like I'm let, you're going to let go of a client, like the fear voice. But then on, you know, on a faith-based level and on just a, you know, like I've done this before even, and it's, there's so much more of an opening that happens when I've done that. So I know it's the right thing. It's just, yeah, it's the intellectual versus the, okay, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. So just a recognition that there's like a little bit of a gut check and then at the same time you've been here before and you know that you can trust that exactly it'll work out. So I don't know if you've scrolled over to the side yet, but can you see the totals so far this year? Okay. Yeah. So when I look at this, it looks to me like your retainer clients, your pitch to prominence and your empowered presence are all pretty even. Sweet. And then your strategy sessions comprise like about a third as much of the other ones. Okay. Um, Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I'm just curious about that. Mm-hmm. What it makes me wonder is, do your strategy sessions tend to lead to ongoing work? Yeah, they do. Actually, that could be something good for me. Maybe that's, you can tell me if that's something that I should look at is like how many strategy sessions actually convert into longer term work. Um, but that uh, that would be the goal that they would convert into longer term work or additional strategy sessions. Um I think the immediate realization for me with looking at that is that it's like, okay, yeah, that's why I, I enroll people into strategy sessions when it makes sense for them to do strategy session, but it's a hustle to get, you know, to constantly be turning people over into, into a one-off service, which is why the ongoing work with me, A, I mean, on a practical level, when you're talking about rolling out a visibility strategy, it needs time to incubate and build. So the longer term work, uh, it makes sense on a practical level, um, simply because of the type of work that I do with clients. But on a, you know, from a business perspective, um, you know, to do the process of getting people enrolled and then enrolling them into something that's one-off, whereas the same process could enroll them into something that's a six-month-long engagement, it makes, you know, it would make more sense to enroll someone into something that's a six-month-long engagement. And without knowing how many of those people convert into longer-term engagements with you, we can't maybe answer the question, but let's, it seems like a useful thing to explore for later, right? Is like, 
how many of these people do end up converting. Yeah. Or does this make you think anything else or do you have any other questions so far that came out of just that part? Well, so when I looked at the numbers, you know, before I looked at the totals, you know, my gut reaction was like, oh, you know, the retainer clients and, and pitch to prominence are earning me so much more than the empowered presence. But then your reaction was, it's all pretty equal, which to me is like, okay, that actually is comforting because then it's like, it's not like I have like so much riding on this one area of business. Like there, it's pretty evenly distributed. Yeah. That's a difference of like 10%. Which, you know, to some degree feels arbitrary. Speaking of trends, there's one thing that, so with the way that you had your numbers before, one thing that we really couldn't identify was growth in your business. Okay. So in this, in this piece here, you've got monthly total revenue. Right. So before we jump into growth, one of the things that is a slight to moderate concern about sending your stuff off to your accountant and having them kind of do it quarterly or biannually or whatever is that we don't have an actual read on real numbers, right? So if there's something that you signed up for and a subscription that you know how they, the business model these days is like you get automatically enrolled into the subscription and if you don't cancel, then you, you end up paying per month, right? So like this happened to me that I accidentally, that I overlooked a checkbox got enrolled into something that was 49 bucks a month. Right. (laughs) And the timing was perfect in that I was just about to have a baby. (laughs) And for three months, you know, the first three months I got, guess what, behind on my, on my financials. And so it wasn't until four months later that I came around and I was like, what are all these $49 charges for this thing? And by then there were four of them. Right. And I was like, crap, you know, so you can sort of beg and plead to like get one month refunded, but you know, they're probably not going to refund four months of something. So um, anyways, all that is to say that when we don't have monthly actual numbers, there's just a gap in information that we could be missing something that's important, Mm -hmm. which is, let me finish that thought, which is why I would love for you to have actual numbers from your accountant every month. Right. (laughs) Because really we need to know, but what we can do for now is take your average expense number and we can stick it right here. So now we have net income numbers for February, March, April, May. Beautiful. (laughs) What's that make you? Yeah. Beyond beautiful. Yeah. Like a spreadsheet that works. I know. Yeah. (laughs) So handy. Calculates things. Automatically (laughs) and easily. Any insights so far when you see your net income numbers by the month? It's reassuring. I mean, you know, we've talked about, I have like a rough idea, right? Like of what my net is and because I know the expenses and I know what the gross is, but actually just seeing the number, it makes a difference. It makes a difference in the way that I feel about it because it's not just knocking around in my head. It's actually on the page and is a, you know, quantifiable figure. Cool. So would you say that you feel like a little bit relieved or more relaxed or what? Yes. I feel relieved and also like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. Yeah. I do find that um, people do a lot of this. And for my listeners, I'm like looking through my fingers over my face. (laughs) Like they don't want to know the numbers, (laughs) sort of like looking at a horror movie. Um, 
whether they're what you want or not, and I'm not going to use the words good or bad because they're just numbers. And it's the story that we make up that is about, that's the story that we make up about the numbers that's either good or bad. Um, and it's usually relative to what you want. So whether the numbers are what you want or not, what I find across the board from my clients is that even if they are quote unquote bad, it's still better to know the truth than it is to worry about what they are. And oftentimes I find that my clients are quite pleasantly surprised when they actually know, which I think is what you're having right now. Yeah. And you know, I'm, or maybe it was even in the conversation about like, are we doing this? Are we, are we really doing this? <laughs> the, you know, all of the, whether it's fear about numbers or fear about, you know, honestly, like your, um, your take on, on like numbers aren't good or bad. It's just, oh, it may not be the number that you want it to be. It, for me, what came up was like my relationship also with weight, with the number around like the number on the scale. And, and that's like a journey that I'm having right now too, is like the, and I, you know, I'm working with my dear friend who is a health coach and she's like, the number is not good or bad. It just, it's just information. And, um, but, but when you bring the number into the light, whether it's whatever it is, whatever the fear is in, it's a, it, it automatically transforms from something that is scary and something you're afraid to look at to something that's like, Oh, okay. Really? You're not that bad. <laughs> you're not, it's not as scary as I thought it would be yeah. <laughs> when I kept it hidden and in the dark. Totally. Um, and then the other thing that actually came up for me as you were saying that it, with the with respect to just the knowing and you know at, as far as you know your bank account or your numbers is are concerned back in the day when I would like write checks and write down my balance in my checkbook and do the subtraction and so forth uh, before I had my own business when I was like brand new to living on my own and you know cobbling my living together by working in television production during the day and working at a clothing store at night and just like, you know, really living paycheck to paycheck. I remember right, you know, finally like sitting down to do some math in my checkbook and noticing I had like a $9 balance in my checking account. <laughs> and the feeling that I had was, you know, this like, literally like sweat prickling on my, the back of my neck or whatever, like, Oh my God, I was that close to like having zero, but at least I know, at least I know now. And like, it's not this looming sort of like, you know, monster that's haunting me. Yes, totally. <laughs> yes. It's so much better to know than to have a looming monster. Yes. <laughs> Cause the looming monster occupies so much bandwidth in your mind. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. So there are about six months left in the year and you have an income goal to get to, right? Yes. We have monthly revenue and we have monthly operating expenses in. And so now we have monthly net income and the numbers fluctuate a little bit, but not that much. I'm curious to know if there are, if the numbers that you see from February, March, April, May, and the way that they fluctuate so April is your lowest month and February is your highest month. 
and May and March are kind of in the middle. Does that help you see anything? Is there anything helpful in there? Um, I wish there was. I feel like this is the this is the part of the conversation that I am like, tell me, tell me what I should be seeing. <laughs> <laughs> because that's sort of, you know, like, oh, wow, I made, you know, I crossed like a major threshold in February. Woohoo. Like, um, it, to me, it's like, that was a surprise. Like, I wish I knew when things like that were going to happen. Yeah, totally. Then, you know, be able to replicate it. So that to me feels like the, maybe the most important thing to master in all of this is like, how do I, how did that happen? And then how do I make it happen again? And, you know, and also the converse, like how do, how do I decode why, you know, I was down 5,000 from there in April and, you know, how can I more so just like add that 5,000 back in? So this kind of goes back again to not just tracking your income numbers and your expenses, but also tracking other stuff in your business, other activities. So in the, so tracking KPIs, right? Key performance indicators. And for you, I would wonder what are the things that you do that tend to drive business? Is it, you know, what are the visibility activities that you do? Actually, let's, so let's do this, right? So let me just qualify with this. Like there's going to be random variability in our business, right? We're probably not going to have the exact same income every single month. There's going to be some variability. The question is how much of that variability is due to the activities that you did or did not do. So if you can think back, what are the things that you were doing in January or maybe earlier that drove having your best income month in February? I did some speaking in the latter part of 2018, which is how you and I met. (laughs) Um, So that, I mean, I know unequivocally that was huge. Um, I did run a promotion in January for, um, I did a flash sale of um, $97 30-minute strategy sessions with me, which goes back to like the um, existence or the purpose of the strategy session in my business of potentially leading to more business. So that was possibly part of it. And also whenever I do, oh, you know what I did? I did a challenge in January at the end of December into January. I did a send your big pitch challenge, which led into that $97 uh, promo that fell on the day that I got let go from corporate in 2012, January 13th, 2012. So I think which is the day that I met my husband, by the way, really? That's (laughs) yes. We share that anniversary. (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing. Well, yes, it was I'll a never Friday the 13th. That. I'll never forget your anniversary. <laughs> I'll never forget the day you left corporate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, that was, so actually that is pretty um, informative to me because I also sometimes get caught up in this conversation in my head of like, yeah, what I, it's an old conversation. And it's a conversation that a lot of my clients have too. Like, no one's paying attention to anything that I'm doing. No one cares what I have to say. No one's participating in what I'm doing. You know, like this wah-wah kind of um, negative voice. So 
Um, and it's a vestige from, you know, being in the nascent stages of business when, when no one was paying attention because you're still, you know, I was still growing, but the challenge leading into the promo then led to me having the biggest month that I have ever had in February. Hmm. Thanks, Geraldine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what does that make you think though, just to like make it obvious? What it makes me think is that I needed the outside perspective of you prompting me to take a look at what I did leading up to that big month um, in order to really um, absorb that, that, that those tactics had an impact. I don't think that I could have done that on my own, to be honest. I think that I would have, like you guiding me to that, it was, it almost gave, gave me like validation, gave the suspicion validation by you saying like, okay, actually, you didn't even say this, I'm putting words in your mouth, but like you prompting me to look at my actions leading up to that big month, um, validate for me that like, oh yeah, those things did work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They did work for sure. They worked. Um, it's, uh, in terms of percentages, it's gotta be, well, let me see if I can figure, I can't figure that out that fast. 26% more than April. Wow. So at the end we can talk about like what you want to do with this information, but we'll put a star in this one for now, right? The monthly promo challenge and just how much that made an impact. Mm-hmm. So you had said you did the monthly cha- the the challenge that led to the promotion, but you also mentioned that you did some speaking, and you know you were alluding to you spoke on stage at BizChicks Live, which is a conference put on by Natalie Ekdahl of BizChicks of the BizChicks podcast um, in Newport Beach, California. That was an audience of I'm guessing your ideal clients, right? Yeah. And were there any other speaking engagements that you did? I did, um, I did an event, my own event in December. So that could have also been a driver for February. Those, those really are the most potent, um, things for me. I think, um, it's being with my people in person or doing a, you know, a very targeted, potent interview, like a podcast interview that really does drive into my ideal client network, um, which is almost like speaking because it's so intimate in that way. So the sort of the take home from all that was that your best clients are people who you have met in person for the most part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you think that that would be borne out in the numbers. I think so. Knowing that, what does that make you think going forward about how to grow your business? I need to expand my personal, you know, professional network on a person to person basis, which means getting in front, either, you know, getting in front of audiences, um, in person, networking, going to events, um, having coffee, all of these in-person things. And I will say that some of them, um, like even some of the women that I met at BizChicks, some of them actually found me before, um, before I ever was involved with BizChicks, but they, they, so anyway, 
point is that some of my clients who I have ultimately met in person did find me most commonly through the podcast. So that might be another thing for me to just note that like that is also serving a purpose, which may lead people to come find me when I am somewhere in person. (laughs) So the other thing it makes me think is, so when you said that through the podcast, you're talking your own podcast, Empowered Publicity. Right. And it also, so it makes me wonder, back to the speaking part, how many prominent speaking gigs do you have lined up for the next year? Right now I have, um, in the next six months, I have one lined up, um, but I also have two like kind of lesser, um, not as prominent, but more intimate in-person engagements, like workshops lined up as well. Okay, great. Cause they don't have to be big. It sounds like for you. Yeah. I think over time, even the small ones pan out. Okay. That would be something I'd be curious for you to measure and track is the workshops and the speaking and the podcasts that you go on which ones lead to which kinds of clients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just so that you can get a feel for where your best time and energy and effort is spent. Great. Yep. So all good things must come to a close, sadly. It was fun. Yeah. Fun and informative. Yeah. So I want to know from you what's been most helpful. Just the, the, so the realizations about what works for me and also. So what are those realizations? Oh yeah. So the fact that I, um, that, that I really am successful in connecting with people in person and, and inspiring, um, you know, a relationship that then turns into something productive for both of us, um, is, is so affirming to me on a professional level, but also a personal level. <laughs> like I, I almost feel like I'm having a Sally field moment. Like you guys like me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I think from the very beginning of this process, what was, uh, affirming to me too, was that, you know, I, I'm not in the dark with my numbers, but I could be using them more effectively. And you've given me some tools. Um, you know, certainly this, um, spreadsheet that you worked up for me, I'd like to continue using this moving forward because I think it shows a lot more than simply a list like I had. Um, and I'd also can consider looking into um, a different type of bookkeeping service because uh, you and I discovered that my accountant who does my bookkeeping does it on a yearly basis. And uh, I don't really even have access to those numbers on a monthly or even quarterly basis. So um, that seems like it could be something to look into. Um, yeah. And I Geraldine, can we talk a little bit too about our like extensive conversation about whether or not to use real numbers in our conversation? And then we didn't even end up talking about numbers (laughs) precisely. (laughs) I think it's important that, you know, just to like unmask the fact that like we had a very long conversation about how it would feel to say those numbers out loud and for people to know what they are. And we both had this like cringy, like we both thought, well, I won't speak for you. I, the word I used was that just feels gauche, but then we also dove a little bit deeper into like why it feels gauche. And so that also, um, that, you know, that just feels 
productive to me because I'm also, you know, into self-inquiry and, and, you know, figuring out why things feel awkward or whatever. <laughs> so, um, you know, even though we didn't end up talking in true real, real numbers, um, it, that was interesting to me as well. <laughs> yeah. And two things, you know, number one, there is a whole thing around talking about numbers and money is like, there's a belief out there that it's gauche and I get it. And I want to thank you for being willing to come on and have this conversation despite that sort of belief out there. And for our listeners, we really wanted to come at it from a perspective of not just from a perspective of serving Amanda and trying to get a better handle on what's happening in the numbers in her business and also serving the broader community of women business owners who tend to not always have a great handle on their numbers and feel some degree of embarrassment and or shame around it and to really put an end to that because there's it, there's no need for it and it doesn't serve anybody when we're embarrassed or shameful about our numbers and therefore don't ask important questions. So I remember someone saying to me at one point, I, it didn't even relate to money, but what you appreciate appreciates. So what you, you know, if you're even grateful for what, wherever you, wherever you are and you honor wherever you are, it will grow that it appreciates in value. So, um, you know, I think that applies here that even if your numbers aren't where you would want them to be, take the judgment away and just honor where you are and allow space for that to grow and do the work, (laughs) not just allow space. (laughs) Amanda, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the She Thinks Big podcast. Thank you so much, Geraldine, for the opportunity to come on the show, but also for the opportunity to get your eyes on my numbers. It was so, it was revelatory. So helpful. Thank you. I especially appreciate that Amanda was willing to be transparent about what she knew and what she didn't know about her numbers. So many women have a knowledge gap here and are embarrassed and sometimes even ashamed that they don't know much about their financials. I'm grateful to Amanda for simply being straight up about where she is and open to getting the help she's looking for. If you're looking for more basics around financials, like what on earth is a profit and loss and a balance sheet, and why are they important and which ones should I look at and when, check out episode nine, Shame, Money Mindset, and Your Profit and Loss, a solo episode I did back in November where I get into these topics more deeply. Here are some of Amanda's key takeaways. If you're not already, work with a bookkeeper and or accountant who will get your financial statements to you monthly. When you receive these numbers, be sure to use them rather than simply archiving the email or printing them out and putting them in a hanging file folder. And when I say use them, here are just a few different things you can do with them. Look at your revenue, your expenses, and your net income. Does anything stick out to you as unusual? Compare this month to previous months. Are you up or are you down? And what might have contributed to being up or down? Also be sure to track KPIs, your key performance indicators. And if you want more on KPIs, go back and listen to episode 36, how tracking KPIs can help you work less hard in your business. Because you want to know which activities that you do in your business are leading to revenue so that you can do more of what is working and do less or stop doing what's not working. 
And the only way that you're going to know that is if you are tracking KPIs. Also check out customer lifetime value, right? And this is a measure of how much have your clients given you over time. And look at the ones who have given you the most over time. What do these clients have in common? Do they come to you from similar networking groups, speaking engagements, or podcasts? When you know where your customers are coming from, you can keep going back to the places where your customers are coming from and stop going to the places where you're not getting any customers from. Look at your entry-level offerings. Do people who start there end up continuing to become bigger clients or do they stop at your entry-level offering? And this is one of my favorites. Determine what portion of your clients it takes to make up 80% of your income. After Amanda and I got off the call, I did this for her. And it looks like it takes nine clients to make up 80% of her income, which means that she has about 15 remaining clients who comprise 20% of her income. So if this is your situation, the question becomes, what can you do to have more clients who are like the nine who comprise 80% of your income? And one thing we didn't come back to in my conversation with Amanda was the one month challenge that she did that ended with a promotion and resulted in her biggest month ever. So my question is, when will you do that again? Amanda and I were working from a spreadsheet that I create custom for all of my clients which allows them to see clearly what's most important in their business, revenue, expense, and net income by month and year to date, simply, cleanly, and all in one place so that they can gain insights into what drives profit in their business and make decisions in context of the numbers and understand what makes their businesses grow best. If you want to get insights in the same way Amanda did, I recommend a lightning strategy session. In a lightning strategy session, you send me your financials in advance. I go to work on them so you don't have to bang your keyboard getting frustrated with Excel. And then together, we work through your questions and you get the insights you need and get your questions answered so that you can help your business grow faster. If you want to know more, head on over to my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com. Click on the work with me tab where you can find out more about lightning strategy sessions and other ways to work with me. If you want to know more about Amanda, you can find her at amandaberlin.com. And if you're looking for savvy expertise around all things PR and publicity, be sure to check out her podcast, Empowered Publicity. Ladies, what were your key takeaways? Come share in the She Thinks Big Facebook group. Go to Facebook and search She Thinks Big and I'll let you in. And know that as always, I would love to hear from you because on the side of the mic, it's just crickets and my meowing cats. All right, ladies, that's it for me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Registration is open now, but it won't be for long. Go to GeraldineCarter.com now to enroll today.